Let's go. Okay, uh, here we are for another episode of the Poptimist Podcast. My name is Taylor Berryman, and today we have Sad Baxter. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Sure. Uh, I'm Deezy, and I sing and play guitar. And I'm Alex, and I sing and play drums. And we have a bass player that rotates, but we're the two members of the band. Okay, awesome. <laughs> well, I had like uh, I was just kind of mentioning before we fired things up, I have this quote uh, that I kind of wanted to read you guys, and it's, what kind of crazy fucked up world do we live in where Katy Perry's Olympic anthem is exclusive to Apple Music, yet freely available to stream on YouTube and Vivo? This is why the music industry is losing its battle with YouTube and the government. It's a self-dealing, only-for-cash enterprise that puts the fan last. No wonder fans don't care. And that's uh, Bob Lefsetz. Have you guys ever read his letter? It's, 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 his blog is called The Lefsetz Letter. Mm-hmm. So he's a very uh, he's a cynical baby boomer. He writes all about how horrible the music industry is now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what do you guys kind of think about that quote? What, is it, what does it make you think of? Uh, well, I think... I don't know. I mean, like, he just kind of said that, like, there's, like, three different ways you can listen to the song. So, I mean, I don't know if the fans are the last one that that they're, they're, they're losing out. Uh, I mean, those are all really big uh, venues for music, like YouTube mm-hmm. and, was it Vivo? Yep. So, I, I mean, like, if anything, uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I guess the... It, where the money goes is kind of, uh, like, well, excuse me, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Basically, I think that the, uh, I don't think the fans are losing out because that sounds like, like, if you want to hear the song, there's, there's three different ways to hear it at least, which is better than one, which is Mm -hmm. what I think he's trying to say. He's, He's trying to say that someone has exclusive rights over it, but you can listen to it on these other things. So I don't know what he's trying to get at that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of weird. I feel like he's uh, defending the music industry in that, and I I feel like it's just so messed up because it's like the fans can find their way to the music, mm-hmm. no matter like what the limit is. They'll find the music. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much illegal downloading along with yeah. everything else. It's uh definitely the musicians that suffer from stuff like that, yeah. but. Uh, I mean, I don't know. The whole system of buying music is really weird these days. It's just not at all what it used to be. And I think it's just this process that's ever-changing, but it's also something that is... It's just because of that, it hasn't been figured out what is good to do and what is bad for the consumer, bad for the musician. Just nothing is, like, final. It's always changing and... There's no happy medium yet for the artist or for the fan. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a good way to I feel like it kind of seems like it used to be more stable, and maybe it was before, like, um, music was on the internet and stuff and able to be downloaded and uh, watched on YouTube or streamed or whatever, but I feel like that might just kind of be like a facade. Like, I feel like it wasn't necessarily better when it was like you had to go buy CDs. You could know. always look back and be like... Yeah, but was it ever good really old great? days. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, like, and I, I feel like it's been talked about a lot, um, but it's just like there was less choice 
but the people that were doing it had more money. Um, and the people that, you know, were outside of that circle had nothing. Whereas now it's kind of all spread around a little bit. Unfortunately, when you spread it around, everyone gets less. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where there's like a lot of issues because, yeah. you know, it's like harder and harder to be a 100% professional musician making your living off your music. But at the same time, there's so many more people that are having some levels of success. And, you know, for, you know, for some, that's just, that's enough. Like just getting to like a lower mid-level, you know, where like you work a, a, you know, a service industry industry job like half the time and then like tour half the time. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, and like, you know, what's, yeah, exactly. And, uh, so, and you know, maybe that's the best that it'll get for them playing music. And then there's, you know, and there are exceptions. There's people that, you know, are massive and, uh, and that is like, that's such a small number of people that, yeah. yeah. I don't know. And then, but then there's so many people getting creative and just like, you know, for example, like I know like, you know, Dr. Dog has an Etsy store where they like sell stuff that they make, you know, to supplement. And I'm sure, I mean, Dr. Dog does great, you know, I'm sure like they don't even, maybe they don't even need to, but I don't know. I guess they do if they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But they do it like, and and it's like, you know, almost like band merch, but even more specialized, like, and I guess stuff that you would sell on Etsy, um, like craft kind of stuff. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. They're just like, huh, like, wouldn't you need to, you probably don't need to do that, right? You're, but then again, I don't know. Maybe they do. We should, um, Venmo them some money. Sounds like they need some money. Yeah, they need need a hand. (laughs) I think they just like being crafty, but who knows? Right, exactly, but there's, yeah, but that's just an example of like... When you're not on the level of like Katy Perry type celebrity, it's like, are you ever going to be doing really well? (laughs) Who knows? And it's it's scary, man. Like, uh, there's this, I feel, especially now, there's this great struggle and this great divide with art where you don't know what's next for yourself. Like you kind of mentioned, you're working service jobs um, and kind of trying to be on tour then Mm -hmm. go back and forth between that. And there's just, I know one thing I struggle with is, is, is the unknown, you know, I think think we all do. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, It's just like, what the fuck is going to happen next? Like, how am I going to pay my rent next? (laughs) It's just, it's scary. But you have yeah, to absolutely. you have to trust yourself that you're gonna figure something out, and oh, like yeah. I mean like, and you have to just work your ass off. Right, you have to know you have mm. to know that you're gonna be able like you're gonna put in the work to make it happen. Yeah, um, and that's like that's like an, a, a hard thing to be objective about. You know what I mean? Um, and and it's like in being in a band, it's it's you know for example, just like booking a tour, you can you have to like you have to tell yourself you're going to do it and make it happen. Like no one's, you can't, you can't like go into it halfway. You know what I mean? You can't be like, okay, well like maybe we'll go here if we could find a show and like, I'm going to try contacting this, contacting this person. But if they don't get back to me, then like maybe we just won't do it. And it's like, no, we're going to play here. I'm going to write as many people as possible and like, you know, find as many bands. And then like when that doesn't work out, I'm going to keep doing it and find even more bands to contact and more places to do like, you know, and, uh, and you know, and you just have to make it work. And, yeah. and that's with anything with, even with money, like it's like, okay, like, okay, am I going to pick up another gig? Like, let me get on Craigslist, uh, gigs and see if I can find a, like a Broadway thing to play yeah. like 50 bucks or something, you know, like, yeah. just like, 
Is this what you're doing in your free time? I've, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you have to be an entrepreneur now to be an artist. It's yeah. like kind of what you mentioned about Dr. Dog. You have to have multiple revenue streams yeah. if this is something uh, that yeah. you want to do. Yeah. And the one thing that you want to do might not even be the thing that, that clicks or catches. Right. Like yeah. people are like, I'm, I'm doing like this podcast, you know, I do music <laughs> and stuff like that. I mean, this podcast just kind of happened because I was like, oh shit, I'm unemployed. What am I going to do now? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not making any money off of it, but I wanted to talk to artists and I wanted to talk to creative types. Yeah. That's cool. It's yeah. absolutely making the best of being unemployed. Yeah. yeah. And it's like taking that leap of faith and just saying, well, kind of what you were saying about, you just have to do it. You just have to put in the work, the time, the effort and the energy. And yeah. there's a lot of musicians out there. I guess this is kind of the good thing and the bad thing there's a lot of musicians out there who aren't willing to do that yeah, oh, yeah. they want to sleep until noon every day yeah. they don't want to they don't want to they don't want to keep hitting up because artists uh they, they don't like rejection doesn't feel very it doesn't feel yeah. it's, it's horrible yeah but it's part of the game it is you it's a necessary to, it. to get over it yeah and well and that's the thing like you have to you have to constantly evaluate where you're at and like you know it's this, it's this weird balance between like not paying attention to like the, the things that go wrong and just kind of keep looking forward. And then at the same time saying like, okay, well like analyzing, analyzing what went wrong wrong and (laughs) figuring out, was it my fault or was it not my fault? And if it was my fault, what can I do? You just have to be accepting of what's happening and kind of work harder to overcome anything that's going wrong. Yeah. It's, it's, crazy it's yeah. tough it's depressing there's like oh, <laughs> it's like you, yes. there's, there's like well it's like it's like <laughs> there'll be a week where like every other day you you go between i should just stop and this sucks and like it's pointless and then the next day you're like oh my god i, I love doing this i can't wait to do more of it yeah. i'm feeling so good about this you know it's very it's very up and down so yeah that that actually kind of makes me feel good because i feel like <laughs> i want to quit all the time yeah yeah no i, I mean, want to fucking give up no yeah. i'll never yeah, i'll never do it say. I'll never fucking do it, but I, I absolutely, I, whether I'm talking to people or just having to, to try and get people to come on the show, they're constantly falling out on sure, me, yeah. like, just yeah. shit like that. I'm like, why the fuck am I doing this? But yeah. then someone shows up and then I start doing it. It's like, yeah. this is the reason why. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I spent a lot of last year wondering like what I actually wanted to do. And this year has been very, I've just been mostly up about everything. I mean, we've had like our frustrating moments for sure, but it's, the good outweighs the bad when you work really hard and you're passionate about what you do. Like, cause in the end, if you're, if you're doing, if you're playing music just for your own happiness, then you're going to be happy. Like, obviously if you want more, then you have to put more work in or whatever. But, um, I don't know. Right now I, it just makes me really happy when we play shows. So that's what I want to do the most. Well, that's what I can, I think kind of came across when I listened to your guys' record um, it's, it's very pure, you know, it's, it's genuine and authentic <laughs> and I really, I really enjoyed the, the whole thing. I think my favorite song is probably Damien. Oh, nice. That's the, that's we the just one. just played that one in yeah. practice. <laughs> so I can definitely see why you guys are worked with Wyatt. Like mm-hmm. it makes 100% sense talking to you guys. Cause he kind of has that similar work ethic, yeah. uh, which I'm speaking about Wyatt Thunderberg for people Ooh. listening who produced, uh, produced the album, uh, former podcast guest. He was on the last episode, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we had kind of got to talking about you and you just mm-hmm. was talking a little bit about your sound and mm-hmm. I 
checked out your record and I really liked it a lot. Nice. I just thought it was heavy. <laughs> it was so fucking heavy. <laughs> so what was the writing and recording process like for it? Um, Writing-wise, so I guess the... I think the earliest written song on that album is Poor Benny, and I wrote that when Alex had already moved to Nashville, and I was, we were both like, well, I was newly graduated from college, he graduated the year before me, and he moved to Nashville after spending uh, a year in Boston in between, and I went and I lived in my childhood home with my mom for six months, and I wrote that song and sent it off to Alex and we'd been playing music together for years but uh this was sort of like the start of something new start of what became sad Backstreet, yeah. basically and uh mo most of the songs were written after I moved to Nashville though and just kind of this is like 2013 2012 to 2013 2013 yeah. I moved here in 2013 uh just sort of wrote songs based off of I mean what I was experiencing at the time and at the time, it was a lot of uncertainty because I had been in Nashville once to visit it and uh, was really not sure about the city. Like, the only thing I really was sure of was that I wanted to continue playing music with Alex. <clears throat> so I moved down here and I had like two friends for a while and then I slowly got more friends. But it's, you know, when you're hanging out with a lot of people, but you're not quite sure yet if you fit in and you feel very unstable and then maybe fall in love and maybe it's not the best thing for you and it's an unfortunate situation so I had a lot of inspiration from uh, really good times, really depressing times, very lonely times so the writing process is just me sitting in my bedroom being really weird by myself and then usually we have band practice and I bring the songs and go okay I wrote this and you're probably gonna hate it and then we play it and... And then I like it. And, well, yeah, I guess usually you do now. Usually I like it. <laughs> usually he likes it, and then when he doesn't, he grows to like it more later. Yeah. And uh, we sort of, like, figure out the arrangement of the song together, and uh, he'll have ideas for me, like... Um, more, like, editing and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, just like, small edits and arranging you know, things. Yeah, or like, or, like, you know, how about we do this part twice there, or maybe do this part you know, less times, or we move this part over here, yeah. like, then, like, we get loud here and soft here yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And uh, then the recording process, well, we met Wyatt uh, because basically our friend dragged him to one of our shows and he became a really big fan, and I like to joke that he stalked me, <laughs> but, I mean, it wasn't quite that, it was just we became friends really quickly, um, and he really uh, was eager to, like, hang out and made it uh, clear that he was eager to be involved in her music in some capacity. And this was like also when we were just trying to play shows and yeah, we, for the first we time had we like just started. And so it was really awesome that he like kind of I feel like I feel like he was one of the first people that kind of saw potential in us, yeah. which is awesome. It was And it really Yeah. It really helped us. And we yeah, it took us it took us like a year and a half to record it just because like we were doing it uh, just whenever we could. Like we started doing the drum tracks uh, like February of 2014 and we just put it out uh, what in July of 2016 so I mean we sat on it for a while too we finished it up like uh, in 2015 like summer of 2015 almost a year ago or about yeah. a year ago oh wow yeah so yeah. it took a lot, long time and like we like we 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 did do stuff for like a month or two and like kind of like you know. It was hard. I mean, we're all on different schedules. We're all busy. Wyatt and I are both like waiters as our like day job, except his is exclusively a night job. 
and Alex works at Trader Joe's, so he's there at, like, different hours than us half the time. Yeah. And uh, so we had to kind of, like, work around our schedules, and he was going out of town to play with, uh, I guess, Crit Baker's band and, and stuff, um, and... We just had to make it work, and but other I, things got in the way, and we just kind of put a pause on it. It was cool, though. I mean, like, I like I like the pace that we went. We made, yeah, it yeah, worked. We we got it right, I think. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and then we kind of sat on it, and yeah, once we were done recording it, but I guess that wasn't the question. And we recorded <laughs> it in his home, which was really fun. Yeah, he has a studio, Nebulon 2, yeah, where he does yeah. his own stuff, too, and he probably talked a lot about that. Yeah. And it's really nice just... Hanging out, he's got a two. Well, he has two. He's got a cool doggies. place to hang. He's got two. He's yeah. He's a cool place to hang. <laughs> he's like he's, forget about. He's got cool two sweet hang. doggies. He's got, dogs. he's got two sweet doggies. He <laughs> yeah. had one at the time. He had we were one. Recording. He had his dog Zoe at the time. But so like, it's fun. We have a bunch of pictures of us just chilling with his. DZ dog. would be recording oh, vocal takes, and I'd be sitting in the couch with Zoe in my lap, <laughs> and like just hanging out. Like it was it a was really fun. relaxing atmosphere. Yeah. we both felt very at home there. We had spent time there before we had started recording and stuff, and. It was really nice. I mean, uh, I, we had built like a solid friendship with Wyatt before we started recording anyway. So it was, it's always weird to kind of like um, work with friends. And it was this weird thing where we were s sort of becoming good friends while we were starting the working together process, although we had already been beginning the friendship beforehand. So it was interesting, but um, he was, I mean, he was great to work with. Like we love Wyatt and he did such a good job um, and it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely comes across. I think it, it, I would describe the album as organic sounding. Cool. That's kind of, kind of what I was saying. It, it sounds very natural, and I think when you when you have a process like that where you're starting to, really the friendship is starting to take hold right when you're recording the album with a producer like that, I, I think it, it translates. Yeah. And it translates into a good working environment. Yeah. Because I don't know about you guys, but I've been in situations before where I've been just playing in bands and things just tend to fall the fuck apart <laughs> once you start really being around someone. You mm, might have oh, some kind of yeah. musical chemistry, but then it goes down the fucking tube. Right, like more, when it when more when it really down. comes push comes <laughs> to shove, yeah. and like you find out like the true <laughs> the true person. Yeah. We have both had experiences yeah. in other bands where we've just been like, oh god, this sucks, and like yeah. And it'll suck because the music's good, so you're like, no, I'll just stick in, stick with it a little bit longer. It's like a bad relationship with good sex. Yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> constantly justifying yep. not breaking up. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And then eventually, if you're smart, you just cut the cord. But, uh, yeah, so it was nice because we didn't have to deal with that with Wyatt. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, was, it was only good sex with Wyatt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding he sucks <laughs> um we uh I feel like he really got what we were going for uh he just he was very passionate about both us as people and the music and yeah it was it was really it nice was cool. yeah that's what you want in a producer yeah. yeah like it would suck if you wanted to change everything I'd be yeah. like oh maybe we'll go with someone else <laughs> yeah he's definitely I think like like he has the the ear of the of the artist producer mm -hmm. and the take of an artist now producer. Right. He's well, an artist himself. Right, exactly. Like, yeah. he, he... I mean, like, I think... I don't... Honestly, I, you'd have to double-check with, uh, with Wyatt on this one, but, I mean, I, he played in bands, you know, first before he really yeah. got into engineering, yeah. mm -hmm. I think. Yep. Um, yeah. and, uh, and so he knows what it's like to have a song you've played live a bunch and want to translate that 
to the recording, you know, that's and that's what he was kind of saying about you guys. Yeah, that's what we really wanted to do. Up. Like, yeah, you know, and, and it's different. Like playing live and and playing to for a recording is different. Um, it's you can't just do. I mean, you could just do like a guitar track, a bass track, drums, and a vocal track, but then there's so many other things to it, like mixing and and like. Uh, I can't even think uh, automating well, like volumes and yeah. levels and panning and like all that mastering, kind of stuff. Mastering, yeah, yeah. Well, and mastering too. Um, and uh, and so, you know, it's cool that there we worked with someone that was able to have the knowledge of what works recording and be able to take what we knew worked live and playing as a band and translate that to the recorded product. Which I think is, I think he also felt like a little attached to the music already before we were like okay let's actually make an album because uh i would send him songs a lot like when i first wrote them i would basically i would send them to alex and to wyatt alex to be like hey what do you think and Wyatt just to be like okay i don't know you want more music from me here's this because yeah. he was really into this he's a stuff, good he's so. a good bouncing board yeah exactly so we respect each other a lot as songwriters and i think that that was kind of cool because then when we got in the studio with him he already knew he already knew all the songs and it was easy to kind of be vulnerable about like how we wanted to go around recording and I felt really comfortable doing vocals and stuff and just working with him so that was cool so how did you guys get started did you you both moved here from somewhere else where'd you grow up uh so oh, it's funny <laughs> I'm from Pennsylvania and she's from New Jersey uh, we both went to school in Boston and that's how we met. We actually lived in the same apartment building and uh, we lived like two apartments away from each other. Yeah. And then uh, we met each other, we started playing the band together and... Basically it's all coincidence that we started playing together. Like, we, we went to a college that only houses one-fourth of their incoming freshman class and we both just ended up not getting housing and we ended up in the same apartment building. What schools did you guys go to? Uh, Berkeley College of Music. Oh, okay, okay. Um, in Boston, yeah. Yeah. So we lived in the same building on the same floor, and I didn't really, I had like a couple friends, but they were like, you know, when you go to college, you know, if you're like your first default friends, and you're like, eh, this doesn't feel right. Right, the ones that you get, they like match you. It's like, this is your like intro group, like you're yeah. pairing up with these people. So I had some of those, and I will forever be grateful for them, but, God knows they weren't right for me. Yeah. But uh, I left a note on Alex's door because I was pretty sure that Alex and his roommates went to school with me and they seemed friendly. They'd always smile when we walked by each other. So I left a note on the door that, that was pretty honest and was just like, hey, I have no friends. Please be my friends. Yeah, okay. It was pretty much like that. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, his roommate, Phil, wrote back, uh, left a note on my door that was like, yeah, just come by and knock anytime. So I think that same day I went by and knocked on the door and we hung out and um and the rest is all history yeah. sure yeah and then we all kind of like it was cool because alex lived with three guys at the time and we all kind of just ended up playing music together like uh, yeah i think we started playing music together in one of his roommates bands before we started the band that was like the songs that i was writing there was like three bands in like one six person friend group basically. yeah pretty much and we all like i played drums in all of them like and mine was the last yeah. one to really yeah. start taking shape and so then, we, so we we did that when we were in college, and then when we were at the end of college, we were like, okay, well, we want to continue playing together, but I don't know, so he moved here, and I went back to New Jersey, and then there was just, like, this idea that was like, well, it's we're still going to play music together, like, somehow, even though I actually wasn't planning on moving to Nashville. I was planning on moving to Seattle, so I don't even know how that would have worked, which is, like, weird to think about. It probably wouldn't have. Yeah, so, whoops, but um, then... 
uh, I don't know, just started writing new stuff and uh, sent it to him and then no, I No, we recorded, we recorded an EP, we, we did the tracks for an EP oh, that's true. that I recorded my, like, on my laptop before I left. Yeah. And then I mixed it while living in Nashville and like I didn't know anyone and so I was just sitting in my room all day mixing the thing and then like we finished it, it like before you got here and then then you decided to come here and then we started playing and yeah. yeah. But we don't I mean the stuff from that EP is really just like um kind of this weird transition. It was like transitional material from our we don't play anymore. Like, band to the band that we have yeah. now and we don't play any of those songs. Yeah. And we're not going to play any of those songs. <laughs> those are... I'll throw myself off a cliff if we do that because I don't like those songs. But, uh... She never did. She wrote them and was like, these are trash. Let's put it out. <laughs> these songs are garbage. Let's record them and yeah. put them out there. That's what you said. <laughs> yeah. Let no. the record show. She hated it. Yeah. No, but it was... It basically was like this weird transitional thing that we did. And it was cool because then we could kind of continue working on music together in a way even though we weren't living uh near each other for six months and then i moved down here and we just started practicing like immediately it was just like all right let's like start the band thing back up but it definitely had different feelings to it um it was different different material i was writing about um like our college band alex and i dated most of the time we were in college so uh songs are very different i feel like those were mostly like stories I would make up and then I around the time I guess that we broke up I decided that I wanted all of my songwriting to be very honest and just kind of be like my diary and I think I was mostly inspired by like Weezer's Pinkerton because it just sounds Great like fucking album. opened <laughs> yeah. up someone's oh, yeah. diary and you were like yeah. oh this is this person it's real fuck yeah. like okay but it's so great and that's so many people love that album because he's so honest. Yeah. So I remember just thinking, okay, this is my chance. Like, I have, no one has any expectation of me anymore. I'm just going to write what I'm thinking. And that sort of started the new tone for what Sad Baxter became. Um, and that's like the whole album and all the stuff that we've worked on since the album. So, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, totally, I can I can hear where, like, all the great 90s bands like Weezer and the Pixies <laughs> and stuff like that can, yeah. can come across as, as the influence. Those are definitely some favorites. <laughs> yeah, and it re I think it really translates. So you guys went to Berkeley. Mm -hmm. um, so you guys, uh, I, I, I think in, in your record it comes across that there's a little something extra in you, and I think that's, when <laughs> someone lives in the winter... <laughs> or lives in the fucking cold yeah. weather. I grew up in Maine. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, yeah. So you know more than we do. Yeah. yeah. So I, I always think you can kind of hear like a band's character based on geographically mm. where they where they were located. Yeah. I mean, we're we're definitely like <laughs> northern New England ish, mid Atlantic ish, <laughs> whatever. You start naming more of the country, Midwestern, -ish. Midwestern, Southern, SoCal. Uh, yeah. No, but we definitely have like serious attachment to the Northeast and we definitely grew up with some serious winters and went to college with serious winters. I mean, we've trudged through a lot of snow in yeah. Austin, so yeah. yeah. And it was great. And Love I it. miss it sometimes and I don't miss it other times, you know? Yeah, I mean, if if we could take like the music scene in Nashville and shove it into like where I grew up in Pennsylvania, I think I'd be really, really happy. So you <laughs> uh, we're part of 
like Pennsylvania, the, like the suburbs of Philly. Okay, basically, yeah. Wawa country. Called Bluebell. Yeah, blue. Uh, yeah, I grew up in a town called Bluebell, and I like. Yeah, it's Wawa country. Anywhere where there's a Wawa, it feels like home. So, if you don't know, it's a. Do you have Wawa in Maine? No, no. Uh-huh. We we have like we have Shaw's. That's what we have. Shaw's right. in yeah. Hannaford. Oh yeah, no. Okay, so those are grocery stores. Wawa is a food market. What's, what's the it's difference? Like a gas it's, a, it's like it's basically like a a, it's really, a, a, it's nicer a nicer Seven Eleven. Like you know, like the, there's like Speedway and like Quick Check. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, like it's they're, like they're like a step up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like there's like the made to order touchscreen yeah. thing. It's like like Wawa basically did that first. Like they were doing it like 15 years ago. Wow. Um, okay. They and, do a good uh, job though. It's like I wouldn't want to go to like. Uh, any other gas station kind of mart and get a sandwich, but Wawa makes like fresh to order one. So it's like, yeah, dude, let's go to Wawa and get sandwiches. <laughs> and uh, we used to do that when we were in college and I'd go visit uh, like Alex on school break or whatever. We would be like, I'm bored. What do you want to do? I don't know. Yeah, that's let's a, go to just, Wawa. Just and we would just around. get a sandwich and like sit in the car and eat it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. I had Wawa like, uh, a week ago. When we were on tour. A week ago. That was and the best was, part about going through I, Pennsylvania. No, I remember I was thinking back like on what we just did and I was just like we, I, I got a Wawa sandwich that was great a yep. uh, hoagie excuse me it was a hoagie <laughs> yeah uh, anyway that, I love Wawa that's yeah. uh, something you have to know about me so uh, <laughs> so if Wawa is listening right now feel free to uh, yeah hit us up on the door I have some Wawa socks and I have a book about Wawa He's thought about oh yeah I mean oh yeah I don't know yeah. I don't know about that okay never mind <laughs> So, are you going to uh, to open your own Wawa franchise? It's not a franchise. I think it's privately owned. Privately so would, owned. I'd have okay. to become a manager. So, which is also part of the reason why I think it's so good. It's because they keep it in house. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, we don't have to talk about Wawa. We can, yeah. No, we have. To. <laughs> we have to talk about Wawa. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get an, an education on yeah. the Mid Atlantic. Yes. Uh, Anytime uh, it, it starts. Step up gas station. Training, so so. It, I think they are all the way in Florida now. But and then and then I think there's some weird disconnect and they're not in like North or South Carolina. But then they're in Virginia and then I think the furthest north is kind of like the Philadelphia area. And but it's awesome. Anyway, I wish they would come to Nashville. Yeah. Maybe one Maybe day. Maybe they'll hear your One play. day. There is uh, a Rita's water ice food truck, which is also like, basically like Wawa's on the top for nostalgia food-wise, and then Rita's is like second <laughs> place. It's like, uh, basically, it's like, it's like shaved ice, but like thicker and, uh, like it's almost like ice cream, but it's not cream. It's like just ice and flavoring. I don't know. It's really good. And there's a Rita's food truck. Are you really hungry? Like No, I'm just saying. I'm about just saying. This. There's a Rita's food truck, so maybe there'll be a Wawa food truck. I don't know. Anyway. Okay. There's always hope. I'm really glad I ate dinner before band practice. I really. did too. Okay. I just love Wawa. Because you sound like me. Like Before I went home and ate dinner, I was like, Oh, Kit Kat bar sounds really good. Can't wait to go home and make a salad. Oh, maybe I should just stop and get tacos. Wow, everything sounds really good. Didn't you make like a Kit Kat bar salad? Yeah, I sure did. Some balsamic vinaigrette on top. She actually put it inside of a taco, too. Yeah. Yeah. That actually, I mean, like. How did you know that? (laughs) Yeah, Kit Kat. Savory and sweet might be good. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. You would know. You did it. I would know. Yep. So Friday, you guys have your record release show. Yes, so this, yes. Is com- this is going to be coming out on Thursday. So the show cool. will be tomorrow. I actually oh, cool. have it. Have yeah, shit written down. Yeah, Let's see here. August fifth. 
August 5th at uh, Queen Ave Arts, Queen Collective. Ave Arts Collective. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, in East Nashville on Queen Ave Street. Queen, Queen Ave, Ave Street. You don't Avenue. say. Queen Avenue. Uh, it's this really cool kind of DIY art space. We've seen a few shows there, and they're just awesome. It basically is like playing in this big old empty basement, and it's just great for Except parties it's not and a basement. shows. Yeah, but it feels like it. It does, yeah. Yeah, it's like... It's just like a wide open space. And we're going to have free LaCroix, and I'm making a zine that is exclusive to people who buy the cassette at this show. Um, and we're going to have some art by our friend Devin Goebel, oh, which yeah. is going to be great. And we are going to have some beer from Yazoo there, and there's some great bands playing. Yeah, we've got, what, Penicillin Baby, Slow Talker, and Laundry. Laundry. And, and they're all like... Some of our favorite bands, so... And our friend uh, ZT from the band The Beach Benders is going to be DJing between yeah. sets. It's going to basically... It's a show, but it's going to feel like a party, too, which is... Hopefully. Cool. I, I'd hope so. We I have, feel like that's a very Northeast yeah. thing. <laughs> like, did you guys grow up playing basement shows and shit like that? I did yeah, not. He, I did. He played yeah. a lot of shows growing up. I didn't have a band until college, so... It was basically like basement shows and, and VFW halls and firehouses. Oh, and fuck yeah. Like okay. Yeah. yeah, we grew up kind of doing this. Yeah, I know yeah. that's what they yeah. do up there. That's yeah. like, yeah, and uh, it's so fun. I'm like really jealous that I missed out on that yeah. growing up because yeah. I went I, when I would visit Alex uh, when we were younger. Like I would kind of get to know, experience that. Like we we went and we saw his friends play in like kind of basement shows like yeah. that, and it was just we so played fun energy. we played a house show and a basement show on this tour that we yep. just did. So you're, you're catching up. I know. Yeah. You're getting there. It's it's a rite of passage. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, fun. It's, I, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, it's really fun. I watched a guy lick a mic stand from the floor at the uh, house show we ended our tour with. Sounds about right. Yeah. It was yeah. great. Yeah. It was, it, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> it was really fun. I'm glad I didn't lick a mic stand, but I am glad somebody else did. So <laughs> Live without regrets. Oh, yeah, no, he was, I could tell, like, he was all about it. Like, he was just being a goofball, and it was awesome. I didn't get to see the Mike Stanley. It was the dude from, um, I know who it was, okay. I, and I'm bummed I didn't get to see it. It was the guitarist from the band that played first that night, and he was just, like, having a ball and, like, dancing around and writhing on the floor, and then, yeah, he ended up just licking the mic stand while the last band was played, and I was just standing there watching him, like... Okay, seems about right. It's <laughs> great. Punk rock, man. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Punk rock. Yeah. It, it, it was, was a very punk rock show. <laughs> I uh, when I, whenever I would grow up playing those shows, shit like that would always happen, and it would always be like ninety percent dudes at every fucking show, and then their girlfriends that they would drag along. Was it was it Sounds like that? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And like, well, I in in the bands I played in high school with like were like hardcore bands and like metal bands and stuff like that, and so like. It was, I mean, it was very much a dude-dominated, that, especially that ear genre. Gauges, ear gauges. Ear gauges. And, like, and then they would wear, like, backwards hats with, like, uh, ba- basketball shorts, yeah. and, then like a, and then a black, like, hardcore band tee. <laughs> Even during the middle of winter. Yes, yes. Yeah. Like, and then they would just, like, you know, like, they would, like, dance. But it, it be was straight more edge. like, <laughs> be straight edge and dance. But like the dancing was just like kind of like punching the air and like throwing your hands around something. And moving your legs real weird. Moving your legs weird moving and like kind of like. Moving your legs real weird. And, and like, and I was at a show, I was, I think it's the only bone I've ever broken my body. I broke my nose at a show and I was like 15 or 16 because I was on the edge of this dance <laughs> pit. And some dude was literally just, he was throwing his arms 
back behind his back in circular <laughs> motions like this, and like what? And he he I guess he was getting closer and closer to the edge of the crowd. Helicopter move. And then he his he just threw his arm back like in his 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 fists were closed. And he just like the back of his fist just hit me right in my so nose. So he dance punched you in the nose. Yeah, it you wasn't even. It was like your nose his back was to me, and he threw his arm back and just hit me in the face Ugh. with his fist, and uh, that yeah, it broke my nose. Um, so that was, but it was like at the same time, like everyone was just like, yeah, man, like that was cool, like you know, like, just, like, like, like I just like I just like my nose started bleeding, and I just like walked out and like sat down, and like my mom came and took me to the hospital, and they're just like. Yeah, man, you took that. You know, you took that good, man. Like that was cool. Did you get like a concussion like, or anything? Like no, that? I, I. We didn't even <laughs> set it. I, I like. I, it was. It wasn't even that bad. But like, it's still a little weird. If like I touch my nose, I can feel like one side sticks out weirder than the other. But uh, and, and but you know, uh, I was just kind of like, okay, like I don't know. That wasn't that fun. You know, like it was. It was cool. Like <laughs> no more hardcore hard shows. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, I mean, like you know, it just. Like, but I definitely He's feel like, like, and that's when I started going to jazz. Concerts. No, but I love. I mean, I'm so happy that, or uh, that I experienced that and got to do all that because I feel like there's a lot of music that does. Like, I feel like I take that. Like, because uh, so, sorry, let me start over here. <laughs> that kind of music, it's so deliberate and it's so straightforward and it's so uh, like loud and energetic and like real that. Uh, I feel like I still carry that with me, and even though I don't play music like that anymore, I like to think that I take those sensibilities with me, and that's what I try and do with Sad Baxter. Is like, you know, like there's there's you know a few different ways we could play the songs that DZ writes, and I feel like the the way that we play it, we try and be loud and like aggressive, but at the same time, it's like try and keep the there's like really cool melodies, and there's you know uh, like there's a not a delicateness, but like there's some intricacy to it that like if you just, you know, went 100% like fuzzed out, whatever, you'd miss it. But it's, so it's this balance between like being loud and aggressive and, and deliberate and straightforward and at the same time like nuanced and, you know, uh, thinking like intelligently about how all the different pieces of the song fit together and letting the, the great writing of the song just shine um, that I feel like a lot of the bands that we really like, like Nirvana and like Weezer and, you know, like Pixies and like the Muffs, like they all got that right. Well, I was going to say, and also when we started playing together all the songs that we ended up recording on the album, I remember coming to practice and being like, I need you to listen to like nothing except In Utero. Just listen to the drums on In Utero. That's such a great fucking album. It's That's amazing. my favorite and Nirvana album. the drumming album. is so yeah. good. Like, and yeah. I remember... I had a couple songs in mind, like one of actually one of our songs on our album, Holy Hell, I remember specifically being like, I don't know what we need to do with the drums, but I know you need to listen to In Utero before we like figure that out. <laughs> so it's like his hardcore upbringing plus me being like, listen to Nirvana, like over and over again, I think helped. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. You're... <laughs> I, I love I love that fucking album. It's like, amazing. It's I, a masterpiece. I think as far as like Nirvana is concerned, I think that's the the greatest. And some people disagree with me when I say this. I think that's the greatest punk album of all time. Okay, that's like the most, uh, in my opinion, the most punk album. I think mm-hmm. obviously you know it's grunge or whatever, whatever you want to say. But I feel like Kurt Cobain's original vision was to be a punk rock band. Yeah, and that was them rebelling at their at their fucking height and being mm-hmm. like, so we're not going to double track the vocals. 
we're not going to have all these sugary sweet hooks like yeah. on the first album. But they still do them. That's yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. true. It's, it is kind of unavoidable yeah. in his writing. Well, but. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, and I think, yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, I think that's what they were going for. But at the same time, like, you take any, you t- most of the songs on that record, you play them on acoustic guitar and sing them, and it's like, oh, it's like the most beautiful, yeah. like, very well folk, written, whatever yeah. song, you know, and it's like, but then you, you do it in that, co- in the context of how they did it on the record, and it's like, oh shit, this is like the heaviest punk thing ever. You know, it's, it's crazy. I mean, just, just, uh, how it's a testament to how good the writing was. I mean, I think it's kind of funny. Like you said that they were like trying to move away from like all the catchy hooks and stuff that there were on Nevermind. But that makes me think of like when, um, when they recorded bleach and after they finished bleach and were touring with it, they thought it was like weird when people would like respond better to like the heavier, more almost like metal sounding songs off that album because I think they felt more of an attachment or I think I think like Kurt Cobain and Chris Novoselic felt more of an attachment to the songs that had a more melodic thing going on so then when they did like Nevermind and they did In Utero I think I think In Utero is a really good marriage of all the rebellion punk rock grunge everything that's going on all the creepy weird noises that you're like I don't know why I like this because it kind of irritates my ears but it's red mixed with just the brilliant beautiful songwriting that is really showcased on Nevermind so it's like kind of like here's Bleach which is this really weird fucking album that makes everyone's ears bleed although it's probably my favorite album ever (laughs) and then there's Nevermind which is just like an amazing like alternative pop rock album basically and then In Utero comes out and I, I don't, I think they're all just so incredible. Like I could gush about Nirvana for forever, but I think that that album is basically just them taking everything they've done and evolving it kind of yeah. but together, you know? That's what made Nirvana and I think Kurt Cobain such great artists is because they were about the, the evolution. Yeah. Um, you always wanted to go and do something different. Like I think... You know, if you if you were still alive today, who knows what would be fucking going on, what he would be doing, but it wouldn't be like Nirvana. Right. It wouldn't be like <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah it, it, would be, it would be it would be something completely different. You know, he was he was like a David Bowie in that way where he constantly wanted to evolve. Mm-hmm. So I, I did you see Montage of Heck? Did you guys see that? No, but I read the companion book to it. No, recently. I actually haven't seen it either. <laughs> I I watched that one uh I forget what it's called. Soaked in bleach. Yeah, the one where it's like it's like the, <laughs> the Courtney, Courtney Love, Love is guilty. The Courtney yeah. Love conspiracy. Well, Montage of Heck is basically about Kurt Cobain, and uh, what I've been told about it is it's a lot of like home videos yeah. and a lot of interviews with people about Kurt. Yeah. So it's a like a more in depth look to like who he is as a person, as a songwriter, what he was like growing up. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm unfortunately I'm really terrible at watching movies like. I only watch movies when someone is like, we're watching a movie and it's like a group of friends or whatever. I like, I, like I said, I'm obsessed with Nirvana and one of my really good friends had to basically trick me into sitting down and watching Soaked in Bleach. I wanted to watch that a lot. Yeah. And I was at his house and he was like, oh, I just want to show you this one part. And he shows me five minutes and then he's like, oh, and then this other one. And then he just let the movie go. And I was just sitting there like, what did you think of it? Um, it's, complicated so i'm a really big hole fan like 
I, it's hard for me because I really love Courtney Love's music and I don't know anything. I don't know anything about anything. I don't know anything about, uh, like, basically just the logistics of, uh, okay, so his gun was lying here yeah. and that means that it's impossible that this happened or whatever. And there are so many different, like, stories. There's a lot of variables to it. Yeah, there's so many variables. But, um, and it was definitely painted in a certain way to make you think Courtney Love was, was guilty. I definitely yeah. don't think that she killed him. I don't know anything else beyond that. Yeah. I'm not so sure he killed himself, yeah. but I don't think that she killed him herself. So I'm not sure. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. So it's this confused... There is a conspiracy place. theory is what you're saying. You just don't know what the conspiracy theory is. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I feel very... Suspicious about it all, and uh, that I'm movie. All for conspiracy that movie definitely <laughs> doesn't paint a pretty picture of Courtney Love, but it's also hard for me to kind of talk about it because I respect uh, so much of like what she sure, put yeah, out an into artist. the yeah. like riot girl scene and just everything. So yeah, I thought listen, montage all the way over here. So <laughs> montage of heck. When I was watching that, I thought, wow, like that that wasn't even like Courtney killed him because obviously it was made by Kurt Cobain's daughter. Yeah. But it really didn't make Courtney Love look good at all. She looked really bad in I Montage mean, of Heck. I mean, she's... Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. well, she's fucking crazy. Yeah, you she know? is. <laughs> uh, she's crazy, and she and Kurt Cobain were both on a lot of drugs, but it, there's also, like... Everyone that, will do that to you. Yeah. But then there's also the thing that's, like, well, he really loved her. And yeah. you watch interviews of him, and he talks about her like he thought the world of her, and he says, literally, she's my best friend in mm -hmm. many interviews. So it's, like... I don't know, okay, yeah. so she was fucking insane, but, like, something worked for a while, at least, you know, yeah. so... It's a polarizing kind of, kind of story, because you you see... It's like this American uh, this American soap opera, in a way, because mm -hmm. you see the, you see the yeah. art, and you see kind of the direct influence, and then, of course, you know how the story is. Yeah, it's a very... I mean, it's similar to, like, Sid and Nancy, you yeah. know, it's, And who fucking knows about that, yeah. because yeah. I think there's... A they were junkies, too. too, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So who knows? It's just, oh God, I don't know. Like I hate even thinking about it. <laughs> don't do heroin. Yeah, we're gonna you can try do drugs. Not to. But don't do. That's heroin. the moral so of hard. this podcast. Yeah, don't do heroin. Oh, it's just, just a PSA heroin. to not do heroin. Yeah. Because yeah. if you were thinking about it, don't do it. Put the needle down. Yeah. Yeah. Do not do it. <laughs> okay. Fun, fun story about heroin. Sort of. <laughs> not really, but fun story about heroin that has to do with the album is a. Uh, so in one of the songs... Wait, please on, tell me this story. No, I've told you this story before. So uh, one of the songs on our album, Holy Hell, um, oh, yeah, I get, starts okay. with... Uh, I hate saying my lyrics out loud, but the second verse says, like, uh, what needle cuts through the flesh of your viscera while you lay stiff? And so one time I was visiting my mom, and I think she had been watching a video that Alex and I made of us just playing the song acoustic like in his house. And she like loved the song and she knew all the words. And then she's like, so you mentioned a needle in this song. And I'm like, yeah. And she just like kind of looks at me and she's like, you don't or you haven't ever. And I realized that she was basically trying to ask me if I've ever done like heroin or if I inject myself with drugs. And I was so taken aback and was like, ugh, mom, like, no, what do you, like, I moved to Nashville and then all of a sudden I'm like, well, this is it. And I just started doing heroin. It would be meth if it was a sal. Yeah. <laughs> it was just yeah. like so silly to me because it like went against everything I feel like my mom knew about me because I've 
I mean, like, I don't, I don't have any interest in doing drugs. Like, I mean, I've smoked pot and I will continue to do that at times. Um, but that's it. Like, um, legalize it. Yeah. So, but it was funny cause she said that and then she got really defensive and was like, well, I don't know. Like you're singing about needles. Like what could it be about? And then it, I didn't make matters any better because I was like, that verse is about being dead. And she was like, what? Why are you singing songs about that? And I was like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm an artist, die. mom. It's like, whatever. But it was funny because, I mean, heroin is hilarious. Just kidding. It's really not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, uh, yeah, you, you got you got to get a little dark sometimes. You got to get real, man. Like, oh, it's yeah, true. absolutely. And I think that... That there's that level of kind of vulnerability that you're talking about with you with your songwriting. It's like where like I don't want I don't want my family to fucking to fucking hear this yeah. or to pay attention to what I'm doing because I'm getting real right here. It's and I'm hard like bearing my soul. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely have moments like that where my mom will ask me what stuff means and I don't really feel like I have the heart to tell her like what my brain was thinking during those times because some sure. songs come out of really bad places. And then I also deal with the fact that if I write a song and I'm like, oh, my sister would like this song, and I send it off to her. If it sounds like it's about a person, she goes, okay, who is this about? And I'm like, why? Uh, yeah. I don't know if I want to tell anyone. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, can't give all the secrets away. Yeah, yeah, that's that's rough, dude. Luckily, like anything, whenever I'm showing my family, I pretty much just show them, and they'll be like, cool. They don't. They never fucking ask me. Yeah. Mm. Like, they never. My friends never ask me. Yeah. Like, I, I don't send songs to Alex, and he's never like, Oh my God! Who is this about? It's yeah. just like he listens to it. And he's like, "Cool." Yeah, <laughs> which is good. Thank you for not asking tons of questions. <laughs> yeah, you know, you just gotta, you have to let it be. Yeah, well, that's what I think. But yeah. that's what I know Hardy thinks too. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny though because it's like it'll always kind of like um, make you wonder. Like some of my songwriter friends, like ones that have ever sent me early stages of their songs, when I can make out the lyrics and think about it. Um, I always am kind of like, oh, I wonder what this is about or I wonder who this is about, but I never feel the need to ask them because yeah. it's really irrelevant. It's sort of, it's so personal. It's very personal. Yeah. And then it, there's also the whole thing that's like, once a song is out there, it's kind of up to your interpretation and sort of for your audience to bond with it and decide what it means to them more than anything. So, you know, it's whatever. <laughs> I think good songwriting, you have to be a little bit embarrassed to show the people that <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's got to be that level of realness, and there's so much today that yeah. that doesn't uh, that doesn't exist or it doesn't translate, especially yeah. on like pop radio or even pop rock radio. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of I think a lot of very overplayed mainstream music is just very insincere. So, and it's you know it's fun and it's feel good sometimes. Sometimes it's not, but a lot of it's insincere, and sometimes people don't recognize that. A lot of the times people do, but they still like it anyway, and that's totally fine. You're going to yeah. like what you're going to like, but I think that's something that uh, creates a really special bond between the listener and the creator is when they can tell, like, no, it sounds like they're, it sounds like they mean it, you know? Well, I mean, it's, uh, when you're, when you're experiencing art, you are either consciously or subconsciously uh, looking for something to connect with whether you know for me for music like i like something that's genuine like i'll i'll listen to the stupidest stuff but if i can tell that the person that's doing it really believes in it is like 100% all in on it then i you know a lot of times it's just like yeah i like this because yeah. 
it's, 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 you know, it could be like, it's the, real, it's real. Yeah. Exactly. Like, um, and so, but you know, and, uh, you know, whether, whether what you're looking for is like, cause you know, some people might not be looking for a lot out of their art. They might be look like there's people that just turn on the radio and then whatever's on, they just leave it on. Cause it's like, they don't, they're just like, Oh, I just want something there while I'm doing other things. And like, mm-hmm. that's, and there's like, Oh yeah, like that song, like, I, I've heard this before, so I like it, you know, and then, and yeah. then, you know what I mean? Like, and that's it. And so and that's where like, you know, that kind of like disingenuine music that we all are kind of like, Ugh, like, I don't really like that, you know, but for, for some people, that's all they want from their art and yeah. that's great. And you, you have to respect that. Yeah. Like that's a valid point. There's no, there's no wrong art. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, which is sometimes <laughs> not like, sometimes you can like kind of forget that and you'd be like, this is so stupid. And then oh, you yeah. kind of remind yourself like, but it is what it is. And right. Like, are going to like it. Like, are going to hate it. You know, That's like, how it goes. you know, whenever like a band's popular and like, or especially if I don't, if like my gut reaction, if like, there's like a really popular band and like I check out their stuff and I don't like it. Uh, and I'm just like, my gut reaction is like, why do people like this? You know, okay. like, just be so cynical. For example, I, hate Morrissey. I okay. don't get it and I don't get the Smiths. But there is something there that so many people are crazy about yeah. that I'm just kind of like, okay, like I actually just wish that I got it. Like I right. wish that I was yeah. I feel the same way about them. Yeah. yeah. It's I, don't, like, I don't understand it. I've never been able to get into but it. But so many people just like adore, yeah. adore him and adore that band. And it's like, they're doing everything right then. It's just right. There's a disconnect with me and the music, yeah. but well, not with everyone else. And also, like, especially as like uh, we, you know, we're in a band trying to be successful and and uh, you know to get better opportunities for us and to get our music out there and stuff. And especially when you like, you take around and you look at other bands that are you know doing what you want to do and are successful, and then you start comparing yourself to them and you're like, well, we could do that better, like. You know, and then you start getting all jealous and stuff. I think stuff. Alex has a harder time with this than I do. Sure. But, but the, and, and this is what I try and tell myself is like, look, like, whatever they're doing, we're not doing because they're doing better than us. You know what I mean? And so how can we, like, it's like the only, the only blame or fault I can place uh, you know, is on ourselves. That's, and that's hard yeah. too. Yeah, because like, I mean, everybody like, you has know, their own path. Like, you, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, that's uh, what I think. So I don't feel like any blame is put upon us. No, like you just like, you're just like, seriously, like, you know, like, you know, like that band can't play. And like, they're like doing all this stuff. And then, you know, why do people, and then it's like, well, wait, like, no, they're doing something right. People like it because of what they're doing. Yeah. And you know, you have like, and I just tell myself like, you have to accept that and just do your own thing. And like, and feel awesome about them and then feel awesome about yourself. Like it doesn't matter. Um, it also just makes you like a happier person in general. Yeah. You just can accept it and kind of, even if you don't like it, just kind of respect like what they're doing. Like that's cause I feel like I used to have similar, like a similar problem where I would get kind of hung up on like, man, I just don't understand why people are crazy about this band when I feel like maybe what we're doing is better or what our friends are doing is better or whatever. But it just makes you so negative and unhappy, and it's just better to kind of be like, well, what's going to happen is going to happen, and we're going to work as hard as we can, and we're going to continue being exactly who we are and doing what we have to do because this is yeah. just us. And like the, the number one thing for me is when I feel like a band has a gimmick, 
And that's why they're popular. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is like, we yeah. don't have a gimmick. We just like, what I think makes a, a band good is when they're just very much themselves and that's what we're doing. And so, yeah, but yeah it's annoying when bands have gimmicks. No, when it's like, like and it's like, it's like, they're buying this. Or yeah, it's like, you know, just like, I'm just making up something that's like, yeah, like this band's awesome. Like the singer like dresses up like this and then oh, they play yeah. a show and it's like, okay, like, and for me, that's not why I like, like, I like music because of the music. Yeah. But, I mean, who's... He's the, very mad that the New York Dolls ever became... No, 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 I don't, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, but, and then, you have to take, I, like, you have to take yourself out of it and think, like, okay, well, like, what they do during a show and what their thing is, is part of their, the art. Yeah. Like, the music is part of it, and also the performance is a yeah. part of it, yeah. and the image is a part of it, everything. And so, like... You know, now nowadays I'm just like, dude, good for you. Like you, you found your thing, and like, and it's working for you, and that's awesome. And I don't know. I I hope that we can find our thing. And I, I mean, I think we're finding our thing, and it's just finding our playing. Gimmick. Yeah. No, I mean, just like I'm you know, gonna start tap dancing during shows. So there's that. No, but honestly, I feel like putting out this record and where we are right now. I I I think that we're finally doing stuff that we really really want to do you know because like you know you start out as a band you have this idea of what you want to do and then you try it you try and do it and then the first time you do it it sucks and then the second time you do it it's like sucks and like you know and and you're you think you're you think you're doing it at the time and then you do something else and it's better and then you look back and you're like oh what i was doing then was at not anywhere close to what you know what I had set out to do. That's the um, entirety of life. Right, exactly. Yeah. But I feel like... In, like, any situation. I, I feel like more often now than ever before, I'm able to kind of step back and be like... Like, and try and be objective about it and just say, like, oh, no, like, that thing we're doing is mm-hmm. is really, really close to what we had initially set out to do. Yeah. Um, and I think it's we're getting process. closer and closer, yeah. which is nice, because, I mean, we've been doing this for... We've been playing together for almost a decade, just in different bands, just me and DZ, but then, like, this band has been, like three-ish years and so I feel like we're finally now just now getting to a point where we're hitting something that we really tried to do from the beginning yeah I don't know yeah I guess so it took a while to get there (laughs) yeah it takes it takes uh, I always like uh Malcolm Gladwell, do you know Malcolm Gladwell? He wrote the book Outliers. Yeah, I haven't read any of his stuff, but I've been meaning to because you would really appreciate it. He has this thing called the 10,000 hour rule where it's it oh, yeah. your craft, oh, you have yeah. to put in 10,000 hours. Yeah. So if you guys have been doing this for three years and have been playing together for how many hours? around 10, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you've, you've probably put in a lot of hours doing this. We now. definitely have. It's really weird because it's like, it's a mix of us finding our stride performing together and also just being musicians on our own. Like I know that the songs that I've been writing, basically just since we decided to start being Sad Baxter, is a lot more what I've always wanted to write since I first started writing songs when I was 13. Like, it took me, like, a decade to start writing music that I still really like. All the songs that I've written that we've played, basically, since I moved to Nashville and we started Sad Baxter, I don't think any of them are bad. Like, I look back at songs I wrote in college and I'm like, ugh, I never want to hear that again. And I don't feel that way about a single one of our songs. So that's a really good thing because that means that we're doing something right. You're just really full of yourself. I just have a huge (laughs) ego. Yeah. 
No, yeah, but then it's also like, <laughs> but then when we get together and perform, it's just we've been playing together for so long that we finally have like kind of figured out like what works for us and. I think I've gotten a lot more comfortable just playing guitar and not being the best guitar player in the world, but definitely not being the worst, like just having that medium, whatever, but like I feel comfortable now instead of feeling really unstable. Yeah, and like the the songs that were put out on the album we just put out, uh, like the the newest ones on that record are still like two years old, but we still play most of them yep. live like right now, and we're going to keep playing them, yeah. and I, I'm not tired of them yet, yep. so... I mean, I think that that's a testament to yeah, it, at least the, like, the good the goodness of the songwriting. The worst yeah. the worst thing is like when you record something and you put it out and then like you're you'd you already moved you wind. already moved beyond it before you even put it out and like I mean it happens to everyone it's happened to us yeah. before too like you know so uh, but right now it's it's I think we're in a good spot yeah like, um, it feels good feels good yeah <laughs> so how can people get a hold of you guys? Or find you find your music, um, find your upcoming shows, stuff like yeah. that. Where do you have it online? Um, we have so much of the social media stuff. So if they want to know about show dates, uh, we have a Facebook page. Just search Sad Baxter. We've got an Instagram account that's just at Sad Baxter. We have a Twitter account that I run that is at Sad Sad Baxter. Uh, we have an email address. We are Sad Baxter Music at Gmail dot com that people send us things for booking or just whatever else they send us. Uh, in terms of music, they can go to sadbaxter.com. Um, takes us to the band camp. Takes them to our band camp page, which is where we are currently selling our cassette and some other merch that we have uh, going. We have them for sale at our shows now that it's finally been released. Um, and music's on Spotify and yeah. iTunes, and I think it's on Amazon too. I think it's on Amazon. Um, yeah, I think so. So I think my uh, mom bought it on Amazon, even though we gave her a cassette. Nice. Hey, that's classic great. mom move. That's great. Yeah, yeah. thanks a lot, mom. We'll, we'll take it. Well, actually, no. I mean, thank you because that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and 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 to contact us, you mean through our email or through our Facebook is fine. And we're both we're fairly friendly people. If you see us around town, you that's should true. not talk to us. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we like talking to people. So yeah, we have all the social media stuff. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on the podcast. Yes, thank you. Um, and record release show again, just one more time, this Friday at, yeah. what is the name of the place? Queen Ave Art Arts Collective. Collective. Queen Ave Arts Collective. Yeah. Okay, great. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks. thanks.